All right. Welcome back to True Crime Trine, a podcast where the planets align. Three friends chat true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. We are your host, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. Welcome to episode 43. Yay! I almost Yay. said that normally, except for podcasts. I couldn't help myself. Podcast. <laughs> housekeeping i am a step closer to what was the new year's resolution to get an audible otter toot on microphone i thought your dissertation but yeah sure no (laughs) things that matter hannah (laughs) oh sorry i thought otter already got his otter did he opened a door it wasn't a door that would lead to escape it was a closet door well we weren't going to we just said door yeah he opened a door Mm -hmm. using a doorknob but yes. I heard him audibly toot this morning. He likes to hang out with me on the bathroom <gasps> counter while I'm getting ready. And I was putting in my contacts, he <laughs> hopped up onto the counter, and then was suddenly startled because I had moved the mirror. Oh. Like we have a, have a little standing mirror, and it was like closer than he was expecting it to be because he's like partially blind. Yeah. And yeah. he was so startled that he like let out a little bit of a toot. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. And I was like, oh, buddy. And then I was like, oh, buddy, that's stinky. Oh, <laughs> my god, you scared a toot out of him. Like, is that what I really look like? <laughs> He's like, whoa, cool. It was on the magnifying side, too. Like, what oh, is yeah. this? Oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, Even if you can catch it on your <laughs> cell phone and send it to me, I think I can download it and add it to our weird noise repertoire cat toot they're closer than me because i haven't heard either the cats toot okay i've i've definitely smelled it after the fact but this is the first one i've heard audibly because like he kind of jumped and was like oh dear <laughs> so oh funny. my i would say if i was gonna catch any toot on audio it would be my daughter's because that kid is the tootiest mctuderson <laughs> on the planet oh no i don't know i i, I might be the tutorist mctuderson on okay. the planet you farted on me <laughs> once I did. <laughs> you were drunk and you were leaning against someone else on a couch and I was like, my oh, I leg is that, warm. <laughs> <laughs> you were like aiming it at me. I was like, what in the world is happening? I'm so sorry. <laughs> you I don't have um, to include this in the, in the audio. Oh, it's fine. I was watching. I was having some like intestinal issues over the weekend. So I was a little more tooty than even normal. And Andrew's no. like, you can fire in front of me. That's fine. And the next day he's like, farted a lot (laughs) i wasn't even doing all the farts i was still holding back some farts oh Oh my god it's because i i only burp on this podcast everything else goes out the back end (laughs) i pretty much always burp i yeah not a whole lot i'll tell you get the soup burps and whatnot but (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're very classy ladies i tell you Uh, it's a normal bodily process it is what human bodies are supposed to do this is what i've always said about you because my uh, friend michelle also burps all the time especially after eating and so we've come back from lunch sometimes she's been burping i'm like i'm a little farty but i can't fart in public and you can burp in public and that's fine i want to i want to like release the stigma of farts okay normalize that's what the word normalize is the word i was looking for normalize fart yeah some people just can't help they have microbiota that makes too much methane that's my daughter (laughs) man that kid oh my god and she rips like big ones like it's not it sounds like a man (laughs) i got some good ones (laughs) where did that come from we're trying to teach her like to be polite and don't fart at school right Mm. but so when she comes home she's super comfortable but i mean like or she's had them she's been holding them in Probably, but like at the dinner table, she'll rip like a 10 second fart <gasps> and then she giggles and you're like, I love it. Not, I, not what we're eating. It's my home. Go in the other room or like hold it till you go to the bathroom. Yeah, not at the dinner it's table. It's my right? home. But still. So now she'll jump up and she'll go, I got a fart. <laughs> and then she'll race down the hall, rip one off and then run back. Okay, that it's like actually fart zoomies. Might be a little yeah. bit better, but um. Yeah. 
But she's also sick, so she can get away with all of that oh, yeah. fun stuff. Well, this is an interesting intro to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Normalize farts. Fart crimes. <laughs> These are not fart crimes that I'm talking about today. Do we have other <laughs> housekeeping? Nope. Okay. <laughs> well. How is your microbiota, listeners? Are you a farter or a burper? Uh, how much kimchi and, like, other fermented foods do you eat? Are you asking us or just the listeners? Listeners. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like I eat a lot of fermented foods. Okay. And I don't have a whole lot of farts. I have a lot of burps. I go in, Interesting. in like, waves. And I've been a farty beast my whole life. <laughs> Join the fart club, listeners. You're not alone. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's crime. In the meantime, let's let's go <laughs> to the wonderful land of Canada. Ooh, Ooh, Canada. Canada, Canada. In I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Chatham Head, New Brunswick. <laughs> well, it's like Chatham Head. It's like Chatham, but it's Chatham. I'm pretty sure. Chatham. Head. I don't know. People from Chatham Head. Is it Chatham Head? Okay. <laughs> Are you a Chatham Head? We do have some Canadian listeners, so let us know. I probably just should have listened to a pronunciation guide on this first. Um, but I did look up. It's Miramichi. Miramichi. There's two different pronunciations I've heard so far now. Miramichi River. There's like this valley and it's kind of a semi-rural town kind of area. And there lived a French-Canadian woman named Louise whose husband was named Vincent. And he was slightly violent and he just left her one day. So she was... Trying to struggle to make ends meet. And she had to rent a room in her home that he left her with so that she could make a living. So one renter, um, she ended up drumming up a bit of a romantic relationship with. His name was Leonard Camo. And this was essentially the relationship that she became pregnant with Alan Joseph Legier with. So Alan Joseph Legier was born on February 13th, 1948. It was also a Friday the 13th. Oh, Ooh. opens. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Family life was rough. Louise had struggled with her two sons and no father figure. So he did have an older brother. It's not really mentioned who the father technically was, whether or not that was actually previous husband Vincent or another man. And that's why Vincent left. I don't know. Okay. But she's got two sons and some number of daughters not also listed either. Girls don't matter. Kids galore living in the same room. The boys specifically were teased relentlessly by their peers and the community um, that they were fatherless. And somehow that was Uh like, yeah, that's clearly your fault, child. Yeah. Did the uh, rentor, the the father, like, leave? Yep, he took off. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. That was part of this. He took off. um, He's like, like, I signed a contract to lease this room, but not to be a father. So Basically, yeah. Lease this room and lease your womb, and now I'm I was going to say lease your pussy, but. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Eh. Sure. Womb for lease. (laughs) Mine doesn't work. It's, it's, It's a derelict. So Alan Legier's older brother was named Freddie, and in early childhood for Alan, Freddie was actually run down by a car and killed. Oh, no. Jesus. And his mother told him repeatedly that she had wished that it had been him (gasps) instead. Rude. Man. All sorts of fucked up. Yeah. They do say that no matter how many children that you have, that you do have a favorite. (gasps) So that's why I only had one. That's a good idea. Oh, good idea. Because, like, you always, humans make comparisons. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. super, like, I totally Hannah, get that. Hannah, who's your favorite cat? <laughs> that was actually really hard. Oh, yeah. I have they, favorite cats. They have for, their own strengths. For different, I guess you could have different kids for different emotions. Unless one yeah, turns true. out to be a fuck up. You're my favorite one to eat cheese with and watch TV. You're my favorite one to go play <laughs> basketball with. And you're my favorite one to, like, read a story to. Oh, yeah. okay. There we go. I don't know. Those are my three activities. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as I said, Alan also had sisters. And because Louise needed all the rooms for money making, because she's renting them out, he had to share a room with his sisters. And eventually, once he hit puberty, he started masturbating in the room when they were changing their clothes. Ah, gross. Bathroom, sir. Uh, Yeah. So thus starts his peeping Tom creepiness, which goes on throughout his teens and even a little bit longer. His experiences go downhill from here, and he ends up not being able to perform sexually in his teens. 
spurring on further frustration with women. Especially the teenager. You want your dick to work. Well, yeah. so it was stated in one of his first sexual encounters he couldn't keep it up. Okay. Um, and then she teased him and he couldn't be ah, with anyone for like ah. a year afterwards because he was terrified. Sure. <laughs> Fair, understandably. Bit harsh of the lady's perspective. Yeah. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I do give teenagers a bit of slack because they have like mushy brains that haven't quite figured out what's happening, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's like all these things are coming together to create this problem in his brain. Yeah. So he gets in fights a lot. He's got something to prove. He starts working out, lifting weights, doing all that he can to be as manly as possible, gets into some problems, and um, starts doing some petty theft. At age 18, he stole $50 and served 18 months in jail for it. Whoa. Wow. 50 bucks? Wow. Yeah. 18 months? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I don't know if maybe there's some violence attached or if they're, like, coming down hard because it's, like, you got to nip this in the bud kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Who did he steal it from? It didn't say. It was just that he stole not even a whole, whole lot, but landed himself in jail for it. Okay. I'm picturing like him mugging somebody. Yeah, like it might have been a violent situation. Yeah, like a robbery. So when he got out, he uses his muscles to, I don't know, better himself and starts to go to work as a lumberjack. So Canadian. Oh no, we're going to ruin lumberjacks for me? No. He's not a lumberjack for long. He's not a lumberjack for long. Lumbersexual. I am lumbersexual. Tell <laughs> you about those work boots, man. Oof. Anyway. The work boots, the dirty jeans, the flannel, mm-hmm. the strong forearms. Oh, the forearms? They swing that axe around. No. <laughs> uh. Okay. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he's not a lumberjack for long. Good. But the muscles do help him there, probably. He moves to North Bay, Ontario, and miraculously falls in love, got married, fathered two children, cozy home life. But this doesn't Figured last out long. His penis. <laughs> yeah, he's, he solved the riddle. <laughs> Cozy home life didn't last too long, and he started getting in trouble again because he keeps resorting to easy ways of getting cash rather than just working for it, honestly. So eventually, marital problems and all, he moves back to the Miramichi River Valley area, kind of moving back home. Can I just say for one minute, more jumped up on my desk. I had a beer on the desk, and he sat and just kind of hovered his butthole, like, right <gasps> open. No! Morris. No, no, no! He says, I'm not your favorite. I'll show you. He also flashes butthole at my students this morning. Awesome. Good job, buddy. I'm pretty sure half of them have at least seen a cat butt once before from all of the Zoom that they've had to go through. Oh, yeah. I told Sarah this, but not you, but I had uh, our second week of Zoom. And so they saw they met my cats last week. And so my students brought some of their cats to Zoom this morning. We had a little cat meet and greet. That's so cute. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. It was really cute. Like, Zoom automatically saves the chat logs, and so almost all of my chat logs from when I'm teaching at least have a couple, kitty, like, just kitty. in the chat. <laughs> That's Especially awesome. when they wrestle. Uh, yeah. yeah, they also got a little wrestling on the bed, too, this morning, and I was like, shh. Stop it. <laughs> I'm trying to teach. They're so loud. <laughs> That's cute. Okay, where were we? Um, He moves back to the... Miramichi River Valley area after he started getting in trouble in Ontario and then worked briefly at a paper mill but went to jail again for theft and served another 14 months. I think it's during this time that um, his wife is like, fuck this one out. Good idea. Yeah. While he's in jail, he did some deep thinking and somehow came to the conclusion that whatever he was doing wasn't working properly. Well, you're in jail. (laughs) Yeah. Ta-da! When he got out, he ended up getting angry at his job um, for the way that his coworkers were job. treating him. Well, he the paper mill took him back, basically. Have you ever driven but, by a paper mill? No, mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of is like Dunder Mifflin, but I know it's not an office. I know they no, actually no, no, mill no. paper out. It is a solid smell that you can feel in mm-hmm. your mouth. <laughs> Ugh. So maybe they just have to take what they can get to work at the paper mill. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's like, sure, you can keep working here. We take convicts, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks that he is, I don't know, something fantastic now. So he's still a peeping Tom. He went to jail twice. Yeah. He still masturbates while he looks through the windows of women. Ew. He also now loves reading and taking note of Bible verses and was convinced that he was the path to goodness and away from evil. He loved his body, continues to lift weights, came to church shirtless several times. What the and fuck? Once, oh my God. 
Seriously? Uh-huh. <laughs> just fuck, dude. I Muscled lumberjack I just showing up shirtless. literally just die. <laughs> All the church ladies are like, oh, is my. this the stripper it's party? So... What's going on? Oh, man. Yeah. Church has been so boring before now. Oh, shit. And then at one point, he got into a skirmish and told police officers that were arresting him not to touch his beautiful body. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine? What's his body that good? I mean, he's working out a lot. That's the thing that he takes yeah, pride in. Yeah, but sometimes in. it can but be it gets too gross, much, though. I don't think he's, like, ripped or anything. This is still, like, I don't know. He's not taking, like, protein pills and stuff. All right. Okay. So, Peeping Tom loves the Bible, goes to church shirtless a few times, still Hot getting body. in trouble. The community now doesn't care for him, obviously. Something about not respecting people's boundaries and such, fighting for no reason. Word gets around, he's bad news. And then in March 1974, something goes down. So there's a woman named Beatrice Redman, and she had gone to church, but then didn't show up to the other places that she said she was going to be throughout the day. And then her corpse was found outside her home, drained of all its blood. What? And this case is actually never solved, but it happened to be, she happened to have gone to the church that Alan had attended. Okay. So it was kind of like a, hmm. That's a connection. Weird. Yeah. And as time goes on, he finds it uh, difficult to find a job because his reputation precedes him. And so in 1986, times are tough and he needs money. He had befriended a local man and his wife, John and Mary Glendenning. And they ran this cute little shop, kind of like a convenience store um, in Black River, Northumberland County in New Brunswick. John is 66 at the time. His wife is I don't know, probably also in her 60s. Cute little older couple, not elderly mm-hmm. or anything, but, you know, not in their prime. Sorry, 60-year-old listeners. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they're, you know, they're yeah. getting a little slower moving or whatever. They're not, like, in prime condition like this dude is. Oh, they don't have a hot body? <laughs> they're not lifting weights. They're not lifting weights and, like, beating people up every weekend. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, right? This also means that because they're not traveling in the same social circles, they don't know anything about his reputation. Oh, yeah. So John starts making small talk with Legere, and he tells his new friend about how he just doesn't trust the banks, and that's why he has a safe. And yeah, his life savings are in it. Yes, the whole profit from the entire store over several decades. Great. Holy balls, sir. Oh, no. Legere finds this all out and finds it to be very interesting and gets together with two of his fuckhead buddies, Todd Matchett and Scott Curtis, who are still actually teenagers at this time. So he's how old and hanging out with kids? We're in 1986 and he was born in 48. Seriously? I can't maths. Too old. Yeah. No, he's an adult. He's like in his 30s. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he should not be hanging out with teenagers. No, but no one else wants to hang out with him. Well, <laughs> just little fuckheads. All right. So they come up with this plan. They figure they can break into the store, take the safe. And then when they've safely escaped to location B, they'll have all the time in the world to break it open. Cool. I don't think any of these fuckheads know how to crack a safe. Oh, probably not. But there's so much money in there. They have to at least try. Right. So the night of the heist comes June 21st, 1986. They break in to the store and the safe's not there where it's supposed to be. John had actually recently moved it to their living quarters, which were attached to the store, like in the same building kind of thing. And he and his wife were still awake and winding down for the night watching TV in their living room. He's like, maybe I should have told everybody that comes to my store about my safe. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Like maybe his wife was like, why would you say that to someone? You know, but yeah. So they've broken in to the store They hear this, but, like, they're kind of like, huh, what was that? I'll get up and go investigate. And as soon as they find out, like, that the safe's not there, they then break into the door that leads to, I guess, their living quarters. So Legere and Matchett and Curtis all break into their, basically, their house part of this building. They beat poor John um, unconscious with a rock that they've picked up from the garden. Jesus. They shoved Mary into a corner and ripped off her clothes and sexually Ah. assaulted her. Ah! Jesus. John asked them what they wanted and begged them to just leave his wife alone, that he would give them whatever they wanted. And they said that they wanted the safe. And so John's tied up. Mary says she'll take them to the safe upstairs and that she knows how to open it. And once she leads them to where the safe is, they get a little bit just like mad at how long it's taking and they beat her unconscious while she's trying to open it. Seems counterproductive. I know. It's like, yeah. Okay. They're, like, getting really – what's the word? I'm, I'm totally blanking on it. 
when you're impatient. That's the word. I'm yeah. like, antsy? So than I. <laughs> antsy. They're antsy. So she's beaten unconscious. When she comes two hours later, she doesn't see her husband anywhere in the room. <gasps> she's like, oh my God, something's happened. She's in horrible pain. Legere and company had tried to cut the phone line before the attack, thinking like if anything goes down, that they would, you know, at least not be able to call for help. But they were so stupid that they cut the wrong line. <laughs> What did they cut? I don't know. They cut the wrong wire, basically. <laughs> oh, God. So Mary was able to pick up the phone and at least call for help. The safe is missing. Mary is badly beaten and hospitalized in critical condition. They had basically left her for dead after, like, slightly strangling her, but not not quite ah. enough. Yeah. John Glendening was brutally beaten to death, um, and it was no. reported that not a square inch on his body was left intact and unharmed. Literally, the coroner said that there was no piece of his body that wasn't bruised, broken, or raw in some form or another. Okay. So he was there. She just didn't see him? He was still, he was downstairs, still tied up, because she had gone upstairs and, like, was disoriented and barely alive, you know, when she calls for help. Mm -hmm. So Mary isn't that well off either at this point. She's got a fractured skull, two broken orbitals, numerous other fractures, and evidence of sexual assault with a handgun. No! Yeah. Her doctors said that they'd never seen anyone in such terrible shape make it out alive, much less a a so-called elderly woman. Sorry, six-year-old listeners. Miraculously, Mary survived and was able to describe the men to the police. Three days later, an anonymous caller also tipped them off, um, saying that she had seen three men in a red car with a safe full of cash. A red car, huh? A red car! Oh my god! How'd she know it was a safe full of cash? They got it open? Somehow, With yeah. money flying out. <laughs> yeah, she's running after it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like a red car and just like, like wafting through the air. So Legere and his buddies are caught up with. They get arrested. Hair samples are requested of Alan to test against those that were found at the crime scene, picked up off the bodies of, of both victims. Legere says no. And the cops say, oh, well, that's too bad. And so they serve a warrant for the hairs and take them anyway. I was like, I don't know if you can Good. say no here. <laughs> So they pluck a hundred hairs and the way 100. that- A hundred? of them, because, I don't know, N? <laughs> N of a hundred? My, my experiments are not N enough. Like, how big of a spot is that? I don't think it's from just one spot, because I think they were taking hairs from multiple locations on the body. Oh. I want to be that person. I want to be the hair plucker person. <laughs> right? And just, like, police. get it real good. That seems like a very satisfying They're job. doing such a good job at this, of, like, making it annoying as fuck and, like, painful, that mm-hmm. he doesn't get a hundred hairs in before he's like, I'll just do it myself, <gasps> and plucks more of the hairs for them while they're witnessing. He's like, here, like, because they're, like, doing it slowly and, like... I would have said... No. No. It has to be done by (laughs) a professional. You beat a man to death. So, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They matched. Yeah. And then Curtis and Matchett, the two teenagers, are also put in a cell together around the same time where they're stupid enough to talk to each other while they're in that cell. <laughs> uh-huh. They did that on purpose. And they're being purpose. recorded, of course. <laughs> yes. And so they basically put themselves behind bars. We did say that teenagers have the mushy brains, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, they're just not that smart. Yep. Legere is saying that it was all their idea that they had, you know, coerced him into helping them and stuff. I couldn't and say like, no to these teenagers <laughs> with my hot bod. He's not believed. Oh, Jesus. And the jury says, nah, and he's convicted of second degree murder on January 22nd, 1987. He's then sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 18 years. Nothing for the hmm. assault on the wife. I mean, plus life. I don't know. But I feel like if I saw murder and you also almost killed another woman and sexually assaulted her, then I would take parole off the table. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They are nicer in Canada, though, right? Except for this bitch, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they have the death penalty in Canada. It doesn't seem like it because I feel like this guy should have gotten it. Yeah. Anywho. So he's in prison. He's fuming. He's plotting his next move. He's so smart. He initiates his own ear infection. What? By poking around with needles in it. Where'd he get the needles? Ah! A sewing kit? I don't know. Saving and then pouring his own urine into his ear. What the fuck? Okay, wait. Have you seen those um Instagram randos that are saying that urine is a cure for COVID? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> You're supposed to collect it and like drink it or bathe in it i saw someone that made gummy bears out of their urine no I did. that is disgusting a hundred percent true this is thanks to andrew leading me down this route 
This is why we go very well together. We find weird internet things. So when those fuckers die of COVID, we get to laugh that they had to drink pee and die of COVID still. And die of COVID. <laughs> Be smart. Just get a vaccine and wear your fucking mask. Ah. Ah. Stop throwing For parties. For the love of God, don't make fucking pee gummies. <laughs> Fuck. God. Now I'm never going to look at gummies the same. I love gummies. Is this pineapple flavored? Yeah, avoid that lemon pineapple flavored gummy, okay? (laughs) Pineapple gummy bears are my favorite. They are my favorite. Now they're ruined. Oh, whoops. Well, I guess the lemon ones be more yellow. The pineapples are usually white. So that's like really well hydrated urine. Yeah, this urine they collected, they don't seem like well hydrated individuals. (laughs) So they'd be darker. Yeah. Like mustard yellow gummy bears. No. <laughs> no. Okay, so he gets an ear infection. Self inflicted. Stop it. Stop getting an ear infection. <laughs> God damn it. Stop putting pee in your ear. He goes to the hospital and finds out that he needs to go to an ear specialist. So he goes. It's October 1988 and it's starting to get cold because it is Canada. Don't shake the baby. <laughs> Um, she's just like wiggling like I'm just like look at this ow ow (laughs) god that was instant karma I think (laughs) climbed up my legs like just go lay down Morris (sighs) I will pet you soon pet me right meow it's Canada it's October it's starting to get cold he goes for his first trip to the ear specialist he has to keep going back of course because it's a chronic infection he keeps infecting he chronically himself. keeps pouring pee into his ear yeah yeah so during this time throughout the winter of October 1988 he's growing out his beard plays nice with the staff over his repeated visits to this ear specialist and they start to let their guard down a little bit not with a convict no. people come on but he's so nice and he just no, has a really no. bad ear you're fucking convict of murder (laughs) you were convicted of murder no when i worked at the uh walla walla clinic they would bring convicts from the pen every once in a while they also came with guards yeah he has guards he's got like the whole handcuffs waist belt thing and everything all right so yeah i mean he's pretty stuck yeah and i mean they seem secure enough where he's not going to hurt anyone while he's receiving treatment but they, they start kind of relaxing about it because it's like, okay, well, this guy's been here so many times. He's kind. He's calm. He's never made any trouble whatsoever. This all changes, though, on May 3rd, 1989. Spring's rolling around. Legere goes in again for an appointment. And while he's there, he hides a makeshift handcuff pick in a cigar and a TV antenna up his rectum. That's so it's much like one stuff. of those collapsible. Okay. <laughs> uh, in his butt. The TV antenna is in his butt. Extended Col- or? Col- <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and a cigar he they're somehow allowed to have cigarettes and cigars i don't know cigars? it seems silly but he's able to put like a hand kit handcuff pick like a makeshift okay. little like lock pick into the cigar in the cigar and then up his ass nope the cigar is just like in his shirt pocket oh i, oh, okay. so I thought everything yeah. was in his ass also <laughs> <No>. nature's purse He uses nature's purse to his benefit. Okay. He asks to go to the bathroom while he's there and retrieves his lockpick from the cigar. Oh. Pulls it out of the cigar that's in his, in the pocket, not in nature's purse. <laughs> Picks his handcuffs and uh, ankle cuffs locks. Sure. Oh my so God. Now all he has left is the belt, the belt chain going around his waist. Yeah. And then he also retrieves his TV antenna okay. and extends it. He does open his purse. Yes, he opens the purse. <laughs> See, now I'm picturing, you know, like those cinch purses that are like, I am actually too, actually. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> at those purse strings. <laughs> he, uh, he opens the door just a smidgen, so they can't see in, but they can hear him. And he asks one of the guards if, they, if he can go and get some toilet paper from the front desk because he ran out. And while that guard is distracted, he then bursts out of the bathroom and surprises the other guard by beating him with his poopy switch oh it probably is poopy (laughs) oh god so i'm not sure if he actually does whip the antenna across his face but it makes it sound like it does which would be painful alone much less like there being nasty poop and stuff all over it potentially so this happens 
the other guy is like caught unawares because he's just getting toilet paper from the desk. So I think like he has his back turned and somehow Legere ends up escaping. He runs out into the hospital parking lot and it has one of those like lever arm thingies where like you have to pay to escape the parking lot. And so waiting her turn in line (laughs) to escape, (laughs) waiting her turn in line um, in her car is this woman named Peggy Olive, which I think is a really cute name. Peggy Olive? Peggy Olive. Oh, that's cute. So he casually slides into the passenger seat. Casu- How do you casually? He just opens the your, door and sits down. In your fucking orange And just looks at her jumper. and she's like, what the? Yeah. What this poop switch? He pushes her over, takes control of the driver's seat while she's just kind of like smushed in there and says, play it cool and you won't get hurt. Pecky, open the door and roll out. Well, she's kind of like squished in. I don't think she can. Okay. So he tells her not to try anything. They get out of the parking lot and she's dropped off safely a few miles away. Good. And then the car. Yeah, she's okay. The car is then also later found, but Ligier is nowhere to be found. So he's gone. He's gone. Miramichi now has a murder on the loose. The car that was stolen was found, like I said, but there's another one that's then stolen and found a few days later near the Miramichi River. And then... A few days after that, a peeping Tom is spotted by a woman who then later noticed that several of her items of jewelry are missing from her home. Oh, So he ah. had been inside the house, too. Oh, gross. Beyond peeping. <sighs> yeah. May 29th, Annie Flam and her sister-in-law, Nina, who also run a store in town, they're doing okay. There's... You know, some, a couple of sketchy things happening. A man wearing jeans and running shoes is seen in a nearby alley at one point. No shirt. <laughs> no shirt. <laughs> it's just, it's like no one goes down that alley. Someone saw someone in the alley and they're like, oh, that's weird. And they had that statement for later on. But at 3 a.m., the place is somehow on fire. So a police car happened to be doing a sweep of the area looking for him and saw that it was on fire and was able to dispatch the fire department. Nina is able to be rescued and later makes a statement to the police about what had actually happened. So a man who had called himself Gerald startled her out of a deep sleep and told her that he knew there was a safe in the store and that if she showed him where it was and to open it for him that he would leave her alone. The only thing was there just wasn't a safe. So he gets mad and he rapes her. Oh my god. She fought back. He gets more mad. He beat her. He then set several fires to try and cover up for his crimes. And Nina was rescued just as flames had started to get to her unconscious body upstairs. (gasps) Oh my god. So she's got second and third degree burns across 70% of her body or so. (gasps) Yeah. But she, she's doing okay. She was able to make that police statement. Oh Annie's body, however, was found after the fire was extinguished. And she had also been found to have been beaten to death. There was evidence that she'd already passed before the fire was even set. Oh, so he attacked her first? Mm-hmm. Oh. Her jaw had been broken and she had several other injuries that she had succumbed to. On the same day of this occurrence, also May 29th, um, the Supreme Court of Canada had ruled that he had until October to submit his appeal for the murder of John Glendenning. Have they not noticed he escaped? <laughs> Apparently not. The- <laughs> well, because this was... <laughs> Yeah. The guards were like, ah, no, we're good. Because he escaped May 3rd, and now it's like, yeah, no, it's it's been a while, but I guess this is like a fucking month later. Mm -hmm. Come on, Mounties. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, not great. Or maybe they're saying, like, hey, we'll still, you know, consider your appeal if you turn yourself in now. I don't know. It's a trap, but uh, it's a trap. It's like those, there's a bad batch of drugs. Come in and we'll check it for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Don't die while you're trying to get high. <laughs> Go to prison instead. So the police had tried to work with Nina Flam by trying by playing some recordings of his voice to her, but she couldn't positively ID which voice was his. I feel like voice ID is hard. It really mm-hmm. is. And especially like when you're like panicking too, like remembering what someone sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Committing that to memory is is difficult. So there were several other incidences over the summer and early fall, including where Legere entered a home with a shotgun that was sawed off and he beat up a couple and knocked them unconscious and then robbed them. Jesus. A man survived after being shot in the back with the shotgun by Legere after he told him that he didn't have any money. So he got mad and just shot him in the back instead. Yeah. Some of us are just fucking broke. Yeah, dude. Give me money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Investigators at this time had also started looking into DNA fingerprinting. So oh. even though there hadn't at this point been any successful convictions in Canada, they had started using DNA evidence to exonerate people mm-hmm. and like looking at, at how that actually ties in. So they were working on that. They had started working on that. Good. 
October 13th, 1989, sisters, they were in their 50s, Donna and Linda Daphne. Um, they lived together in a house. Linda was coming home around 10, 15 p.m. from a coffee date. A coffee date? A coffee date. At <laughs> it's like 10, 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you're not actually getting coffee. Who knows? But it's a Tim Hortons. Aww. And I was like, oh, it's a t- this is so Canadian. The oh, Canadian date. I've never been to one, but I hear Me good neither. things. She's coming home. It's dark out. Legere, hiding in the dark in the shadows, surprises her, jumps out, knocks her down, beats her, rips her earrings out, breaks <gasps> her upper and lower jaw, blood everywhere. Donna, oh knowing that her sister is coming home, hears the noise outside and ran to the window to see what was happening. And there, Legere sees her at the window and is like, oh, well, there's another one and ran inside no. the house to go after her. Donna fought back, but of course was no match for him. She suffered broken bones and a ruptured blood vessel in her brain. Ah! Oh my god. Legere then dragged her up the stairs, put her on the bed, slashed open her throat, <gasps> and then while she's like bleeding out and dying, he rapes her and then leaves. Good. And she god. vomits, and while I mean she's unconscious, she vomits and then aspirates in her own vomit. And drowns that way. And drowning was found to be the cause of death there. So I don't think her throat slash was actually deep enough to do Oh my god. Yeah. Really, really, really brutal. That's horrific. Good lord. Find this fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Linda is still outside on the gravel driveway surrounded in her own blood, unconscious. So he goes and drags her upstairs to her bedroom. As he's ransacking the house, it's well past 3 a.m. at this point, and he's turning on lights around the house to search for valuables and take whatever he can. And a neighbor sees this and says, huh, that's weird, because these two usually go to bed at somewhat reasonable hours. It's well past 3 p.m. I'm up, but whatever. (laughs) Or 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Yeah, it's like middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. The witching hour. They might have been on a snack, you know. A cheese break. But you would turn on the kitchen light, not every single light in the house. Yeah. I met the neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's ransacking. He doesn't find a whole lot of significant items, maybe like a few rolls of quarters and a couple pieces of jewelry here and there. He turns to Linda now and rapes her while she was unconscious. Oh, Jesus. And left a deep bite mark um, on her breast. Yeah. Yeah. No. He then sets fire to the house and Linda dies in the fire while still unconscious. So that neighbor not call the police? I mean, they knew something was down. And of course, probably once the fire was going, they knew. But I don't think at 3 a.m. It's like, maybe something's happening over there. But they they had noted that the lights were it's on It's not first. really a thing to call the cops on, I guess. Yeah. My neighbor's like, awake? Oh, my neighbors are awake at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like that's... But once the fire's there, then... Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So at this point, news is really spreading quickly of the, what they're calling now the monster of Miramichi. And yeah. now it's autumn. The townspeople are locking their doors way more stringently. They're going home at or before sunset. They're keeping lights on at all hours. Like, hey, we're here. Don't even try. Wait. Autumn? It's yeah. fall. What the Catch fuck? This yeah, fucker. all summer goes by and he's on the loose. It was something like seven months total because like May through the next couple here. Jesus. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? So they cancel Halloween celebrations because they don't want their kids out at night. Yeah. yeah no much shit. less themselves. Yeah. And there was even rumor that light bulbs were starting to be marketed as Legere lights. Because, like, you want to replace all your light bulbs that are constantly on. That is, um... That's scary. That's really fucking scary. Not a good advertising tactic. (laughs) No. Buy our serial killer light bulbs so you (laughs) won't die. Get out of here, Lowe's. I mean, I don't know for sure that this was actually happening, but I read it somewhere that, like, there was at least one incidence of this. Oh, I hate it. Buy two, get one free. Okay. Capitalism. DNA was conclusively linking these crimes. They were getting positive hits back on everything together. So they were starting to be like, yeah, it's probably this guy. Don't worry. I figured it out. It was him the whole time. It, yeah. We don't know where the fuck we he is, DNA. but he escaped <laughs> um, from fucking prison. You should be looking for him anyway. Yeah. Father James Smith was a priest in New Chatham. He was well-respected in his community. Good dude all around. He had heard something outside the rectory one night and when he went out to investigate, which like, why? I, I was picturing this part, like one of those scary movies where you're like, no, don't go outside in the dark. Don't. No, call, don't. call the don't cops. Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. There's something in my yard. Please come check it out. 
But he's a priest. Like, maybe he thinks that there's someone in trouble and he wants to go investigate and help. So he's going outside. He sees that there's a ladder leaning against the side of the garage, but he doesn't see anyone. So he goes back towards the door. And as he's heading back inside, Ligier rushes him. Uh, He demands to know about the whereabouts of his safe. At the rectory? (laughs) Yeah. And Father Smith is like, there's no money. So Legier angrily slashes at him with a knife, cutting um, the priest's hands as he lifts them to defend himself. Uh. He then ties the injured priest to a chair and cuts apart his face with a knife. Oh, what the? What the? This guy's completely lost his mind. Yeah. So he's he's just straight up getting off on inflicting pain. Oh, my God. He beats him and strangles him. And the priest then, because he's like strangling, he aspirates his own vomit as he's suffocating. And then finding that he wasn't dying soon enough, Legier pushes him over and jumps on his rib cage repeatedly, breaking his <gasps> oh ribs as he dies. God, why? He's already on his way out. Jesus Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. this is his true There's self. There's the impatience again. Well, no, it's like, obviously he knows if he's going to get caught, he's fucked. So just... But is he going to get caught? I mean, he's been on the land forever. But you have to know that won't last forever. But it's just sure. like, you know what? I went this far. Let me just release the savage. I mean, I don't know what else you would call it at that point. It is savage. It's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. I'm definitely not trying to explain things for him. I'm just saying. No. Hmm. You know, there's... But like, there is no rational thought going on here. I guess that's a rational thought for me, though. It's just like, you know, there's no coming back. So why hold yourself back? Right. Just yeah. Go- Full psycho. Yeah. Yep. You don't have to conform to yeah. humanity anymore. Clearly, he doesn't feel that need at all. No. It's like he went feral. It yeah. is like he went feral. Mm-hmm. The sad part is, at 6 p.m. the same day, police were giving a press conference stating that Legier had been the one responsible for these crimes, that they had verified with DNA evidence and all of that, all at the same exact time that James Smith, this priest, was being murdered. Oh, my God. Later in the evening, Legier had stolen the priest's car after he was done with his terrible crime there and headed to the train station to go to Montreal. At 7.30, so it was 6 p.m. was the community had gathered for the press conference. An hour and a half later, Father Smith was expected to be giving a service, but he didn't show up on time. He, like, wasn't in the room where everyone was supposed to be kind of thing. And so Mm -hmm. one of his friends went to the rectory to go look for him and found the gruesome scene. Ugh. Could you imagine, though, being that person? I mean, this is grotesque. This is absolutely... Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. Unimaginable. Yeah. Like, it's like a rabbit animal had gotten in there. Oh, my yeah. God. And just went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At 7.45, so like within about 15 minutes from when this service was supposed to have started, the ticket sales register person at the train station noticed a man buying the ticket to Montreal. Seemed sketchy. He wouldn't look him in the face. And so he took note and he was like, uh, going to call someone about this. He's a sketchy catch. And said he boarded this train and is going to Montreal and you can catch him at this stop, this stop, etc. So, All right. It's November 17th, 1989, 2 a.m. Police are boarding the train um, that's on its way and they're looking for Legier. They know at this point not to go by face because he had grown out his beard over the winter, but he has since cut it so he could look like anything now. Sure. But they did have descriptions of his tattoos, one of which Mm. was an eagle head and star on his right forearm and an eagle on the right bicep. Was he American? (laughs) You live in Canada. That's a very un-Canadian tattoo. Maybe there's bald eagles in Canada. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but like, what's their national bird? I, don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I do have a friend who is from Alaska, like grew up in Alaska, and mm-hmm. they have like a town dump and there's just bald eagles like sitting on a Everywhere? dead couch pulling apart scraps of stuff. Yeah, bald eagles are America. scavengers. They look like crows there. <laughs> so Canada's national bird is the gray jay and he is beautiful. Aww. He or she. It's not the Canada goose. Yonk. Yonk. <laughs> I had to drink to that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good. This is a very beautiful bird, though. Okay. I'll have to... Maybe I'll draw that one for this week's I thing. don't know why I was thinking of uh, the loon. I love loons. It's Minnesota State is, Bird. Isn't that the Minnesota State Bird? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay. Took notes. They board the train. They know not to go by face, but by tattoo. 4.45 a.m. The police are searching this darkened 
like car because it's nighttime so they're like these nice train cars i guess darken them so people can sleep on their way yeah they find a man who somewhat matched the description he seemed a little bit lighter than the 200 pound muscular dude that they were technically after but it was believable because hey he could have lost weight while he was on the run right maybe not eating as well as he should have not going to the gym just beating people up yeah not eating well murdering raping pillaging yeah Mm. so they find a man and they wake him up he claims that he his name is Fernand Savoy. He matches the description relatively well, and they ask him to see his right arm. And he shows him his arm, and it doesn't have any tattoos. Huh. Oh. It was supposed to be his left arm. Do they get confused by a picture? Uh-huh. Oh, no! They got the description that it was on his right forearm where the tattoos are, and it's technically supposed to be his left forearm where the tattoos are. Oh, oh. no. Mirror images strikes again. Did he have an ID? Step one. No. Uh, they had let the train go. Why would you only check one but, fucking arm? Right? Though? Right? Yeah, I was like, this is. Why wouldn't stupid. you look at both of them and go, mm-hmm. hmm, he's got the same tattoos, it's just apparently they're on the wrong arm, but let's just take him in anyway I'm starting because. To see why he wasn't <laughs> captured for seven fucking months. Yeah. So, wrong arm, right dude. No. Mm. But they had let the train go, so Ligier got away again. Oh my fucking god. They realized their mistake pretty quickly afterwards and continue kind of semi-hot on the trail, lukewarm on the trail. (laughs) They had found a pair of dirty, bloody work boots and a parka hidden away behind like this wooden shed um, at one of the train stations. And one of the boots happened to have a rusted nail that was buried in the boot sole. That's probably why they were ditched. Because it was like yeah, poking straight pop, up pop, into pop. like, oh, that's not okay. fun to walk on. No. The boots and the DNA match the crime scene where our poor priest was murdered. <sighs> and then later that day, Fernand Savoy checks into a hotel the next morning. And then also goes to an eye doctor in town to look for a new pair of eye- eyeglasses. Because at one of the scenes there had been left behind a pair of eyeglasses and he actually needed that for his prescription. That does go back to how it took me 10 minutes to find my glasses after a nap today. Oh, no. I, yeah. I do need my like, glasses. Here, let me take these off and lay them on the table while I beat you to a pulp and then uh, runs out and forgets the glasses. Yeah. I would go back. I, I wouldn't get very far. I couldn't drive. But he set fires to a lot of these places too, right? So like... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Smoke inhalation. It's a bitch. Yeah, so he heads back to New Brunswick again because he just can't stay away. And these were this was the community that had tormented him as a child, so they needed to suffer. Arrived November twenty third, spent time in this bar called Piper's Pub. (gasps) Oh, okay. While he's there, he writes a twenty three page story of his life. I'm sure it's twenty three. Great literature, twenty three pages. I know, Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's front and back. Like twenty three papers, but um forty six pages <laughs> is still a very short life story. It's still very short. Yeah. I did just see a quote that was like, I'm gonna kill off a few people in the story I'm writing. I think it will make my autobiography very interesting. Oh that's so dark. Anyways, sorry about that. Okay. He's sitting in Piper's pub. He's having some, what do they call them? Brewskis. Yeah. Canada. Writing his life story. Short life story. Sure. Maybe it's footnotes. It's footnotes. (laughs) He's explaining how nothing's his fault and how he was allowed to escape each time because he was actually innocent. Oh, was it God? No. (sighs) He was allowed to escape because he was innocent. No, sir. By the will of. stuff up your butt and beat people. But I mean, with all of the other silly mistakes that were made along the way, where he just made, had a lot of like close calls and hadn't been caught yet. I remembered the Canadian beer. Molson. We got to get a Molson. While he's there, the bartender actually asks him, hey, buddy, what's in your bag? And he says, it's a gun. Oh. And he's like, thanks for the honesty. And then he actually shows him that it's a gun as he's leaving. Okay. Like, so, just like, this is my toy. This is my gun. I told you. Goodbye. Please don't ask any more questions. And then leaves the pub. Yeah, get out of Piper's pub. He left Douche Piper's bag. pub. He left the paper on the table for anyone else to oh. read. Oh, his story. Okay, so he hailed a cab. He wrote it in like okay. one beer, like at the bar, though. <laughs> it could. I mean, he was there for like the whole afternoon, I think. Okay. But who gave him the paper, or did he bring it with him? I don't know. That part isn't included. Is it on toilet paper? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the toilet 
waiver that he had asked for. <laughs> Maybe it was from the hotel. Like, you know how hotels oh, yeah. have like, stationery and stuff. Honestly, though, like, his life is trash. So toilet paper seems to it's be a fitting. really great medium for him. Yeah. Wash it down the yeah. toilet. We don't need to read that fucking story. Ooh. Yeah. Well, the police evidently do. Actually, yeah. yeah. Don't. Fl- it's evidence. Don't flush don't it. Flush it. It's so he leaves the pub, left the paper, hailed a cab. Told the cabbie he wanted to go to Moncton, which is 152 kilometers away. A mountain? Just randomly? Moncton. Oh, I think it's said a mountain. <laughs> Any mountain. mountain. Over yonder, to the hills. Driver's to choice. The, the cab driver was like, seriously? That's the longest And so he calls drive. the dispatch, and the dispatch says it's going to be a $100 fare. And then so That's he turns around and says, hey, you got the fare, buddy? Is that okay? And so as he's turning around, and the driver looks back to ask the question, he sees a sawed-off shotgun in his face. No. So Legier at gunpoint forces this driver to drive He's got as the far fare. as he can without the fare, clearly. It's a shotgun. Doesn't matter. Yeah. He's forcing the driver to drive so fast and it's snowy because it's now November. Mm-hmm. And so the cab driver loses control of the car and they spin out and land in a snowbank. It's like try to be more obvious. Right? Yeah. Legier jumps out of the car, drags the cabbie with him, flags down another car, and holds this driver at gunpoint and tells the cab driver to get into this car. Holds this new driver at gunpoint. The only thing is, though, this new driver is an off-duty officer. Actually, constable. Constable Mercer. Okay. So Constable Mercer, she's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. She pulls into a gas station and says they're running low on fuel. So Legier goes in, takes the keys with him to the car. Okay. Goes in to pay for gas to get, you know, the pump to work. Mm-hmm. And Mercer pulls her spare key out from the... <gasps> get it, girl. The console. And so she and the cabbie, like, tear out of Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. And Jesus. they go to a nearby station and alert them, like, he's at this place. You need to surround the area now. Yeah. And so the cop cars quickly surround the station, but Legere is gone. Oh, Oh, no. He got away. God. Yeah. What the as Fuck, soon as he realized he that they were leaving, he was like, I'm outie. Ugh. He'd commandeered this, like, big moving truck, like, the kind of big truck that has the trailer behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And held this driver at gunpoint. But it's Jesus. not very discreet and it's not very fast. And maneuverable. They've got the communication radio, too. Oh. Okay. And it's snowy out, yeah. So the police are alerted, and there's, like, tiny little roads up this area where they're basically, like, not truck allowed. Sure. So when this truck was seen going down a non-truck road, someone was like, hey, that's not right, and calls police on it. Like, cool and narc. I mean, it seems um, a little narky, to be like, honest. this is strange. Like- yeah. But, like, finally, someone says something. You yeah. Know, like, this is wrong. <laughs> they needed all the help they could they get. They really honestly. fucking did. Yeah. But like, thankfully somebody called though, because like, yeah. would they have known? No. So they're alerted to the whereabouts of this truck now. And then they find the truck. It's being tailed by the police, like several cars for 30 minutes until finally it pulls over. The driver steps out and says, it's him, it's him! And like has his arms up and everything. Legier gives up. He steps out, tosses the shotgun to the side, and he's finally in custody. Yeah, fucking finally. Or is he? No, he is. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, August 14th, 1990. Like, all this time he's my been God. in jail. The jury finally says, nah, you're guilty, and gives him an additional nine years on top of the Glenn Denning murder. You say nine? Just nine? Nine? For, I think, for escaping, additionally. Well, the murders. November 20th. Okay. Okay. A new court thing opens up for all of the other ones, and he's now charged with four counts of first-degree murder, along with okay. a bunch of other things, too. So he's got back-to-back life sentences. Okay. Just get rid of him. November 12th, 1991, during this court proceeding, Nina Flam is able... I know. I know. He's garbage. Nina Flam is able to come face-to-face and confront her attacker as he's being sentenced and everything. So after six hours, the jury finds him guilty, gives him his extra life sentences, and he is done so. Good. Fucking finally. No parole. Yeah. No Pasco. Yeah. Fucking You can die of your ear infections from here on out. Keep pouring urine in your ear, sir. Oh my god. Ah, that is a very fucking frustrating story you just told us. I'm sorry. It's okay. We decided. I thought it was like a fun roller coaster, and then I realized it's not really that fun. But it's definitely it's a a roller coaster. coaster, No, uh, it gave me relief when I read that he was finally caught. I I just can't believe he was not caught for so long. What was he doing for seven months? Yeah, too much. 
Yeah. Where the fuck was he staying? Yeah. What was his day to day? It was believed that he was staying in like vacant cottages and camping out in the woods and stuff around this rural area for the entire summer. And that's why he had waited until it was warm enough and mm-hmm. not winter in okay. Canada. Yeah, because then he would have just froze to death. He played his time right to be able to go out and like start to escape and do all of his wrongdoings. Sure. But- and then he had also plotted with, like, the, the facial hair and, like, playing nice with the hospital workers mm-hmm. and all of that and his guards so that everyone would just kind of, like, oh, this guy's okay. Maybe he actually no. is, you know, yeah. It's never okay with a convicted murderer, friends. Yep. Never. Although there are a lot of convicted murderers that aren't actually guilty. That's true. But it doesn't hurt to be too safe. No, and that's why when the inmates would come from the um with the penitentiary, we were always like, mm-mm, mm-mm. mm-mm. We're going to, we got to watch you. Sorry about your diabetes, but we, we're going to wash you. <laughs> Sorry about your diabetes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it is a really sad, tragic, tragic story for everyone oh else that God. didn't have to die in such horrific ways. But it also, it also shows, like, from here on out, this is how bad it could possibly be. So don't deviate from protocol. Yeah. You use metal you, detectors. Scan those you, rectums. Yeah. Get up in that nature's <laughs> purse. Open the strings. Open the purse strings. Take a little look. Mm-hmm. Rape it out. Move on. So here's an incidence of a terribly unevolved Aquarius. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. The idea that they can be like different and march to their own beat kind of thing is great until it's this kind of beat. He definitely feels kind of unique. Not every no Aquarius is like this is a very very special. And Sarah hates Aquarius. (laughs) They are not like this is awful. Yeah, this is definitely the deviant. But feels unique. He definitely did feel like his society had wronged him, and he went back against it. Yeah, he got a little too incel. Yeah. And then also, what was his deal with safes? Like, what? Yeah. He also thought every- he, just, he didn't want to work- Single building had a safe in it. He, like, fixated on certain aspects of things, and it, that's just super weird. I think, yeah, I think what his problem was, what he had started off with such a rough situation that he had the route to go to do things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then when he was given jobs, they weren't enough. He felt that he was special and he deserved better. I don't know where he got this I'm so special if he grew up as like such a fucking scrub. Yeah. yeah. Well, but he was the he was chosen not to die instead of how his Yeah, mother but his died. mother wanted him to die. Exactly. But somehow he got a god complex versus insecurity. In this yeah. case, insecurity would have been a better path. Yes. Yeah. So instead have. of staying as a lumberjack and staying with his wife and two kids. Yeah. God, those poor yeah. kids. Can you uh-uh. imagine being that ex-wife and your two Can't kids? Can't imagine that being, being my like, father. Um, I'm going to go change our fucking name. But I still can't <laughs> yeah. get the stink out of me because it's part of me. Yeah. Like, yeah. no. Ugh, that's fucking terrible. I don't like you, Alan. Alan! <sighs> oh, like the, the, what is it? The prairie dogs are screaming That's Alan. what I was trying to do. <laughs> Alan! 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 <laughs> <laughs> But I don't like you. I like the fairy dogs. I will add for you, Sarah, the bunchberry, which is very pretty, is the popular choice for Canada's national flower. Okay. A bunchberry. Bunchberry and the gray jay. The gray jay is very mm-hmm. pretty. Put a Molson in there. A what? A brewski. A Molson. Oh, okay. And a sawed off shotgun. Yeah. Well. A red car. Mm. A red car. <laughs> <laughs> the one red car. Oh, it's a, well, it's a red fucking flag if he has a red car. Yeah. I don't have any astrology for this week. Did you get anything, Meredith? Yeah, I just have a little astrology. This episode is going to air on February 7th, and the following day on Tuesday, February 8th, Mars is in Capricorn, and it will be trine Woo. Woo. with... Uranus and Taurus, and I guess Uranus in this episode seems to be uh, appropriate. Yeah, that makes sense. Don't stick anything up it. No. Unless you Taurians like it. Consent. Consent. This is a trine, so this is going to be a good day. This is a day to kind of break away from the pack, be yourself, be courageous, be free, and just kind of do your own thing. So it's a, a good day for independence and just some free thinking. So I don't know. Seems like it's going to be a pretty good day on Tuesday. Monday's probably going to fucking suck. <laughs> it's a Monday. Yeah. What's she going to do? But yeah, that's all I had. Just a wee bit of astrology. Awesome. 
Subweeks, there's not very much happening. We got enough it's, from this episode. the calm after this storm, yeah. Yeah. This was a doozy. It was a, a very interesting case, but fuck that dude. Oh, mm-hmm. fuck that dude. However, I will say that if you would like to normalize farts. Yes. Or if you are pro-Canada considering the death penalty, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, Facebook, TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com and then check out our website, www.truecrimetrine.com. I have a Canada quote, and it's from Robin Williams. Oh! So he's saying to Canada, you are a big country. You're the kindest country in the world. You're like a really nice apartment over a meth lab. (laughs) (laughs) It's also an America bird. (laughs) Couldn't be truer. I mean, yeah, you're right, Robin Williams. Wow. I do have one more quote, and this is just for procrastination, because that's my jam this week. Okay, but Mars is in Capricorn. Get shit done, energy. Well, I get it done on Sunday. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) That's fine. I did get it done, and it was posted. You're I know welcome, you did it, listeners. Pulled it out. I was able to get it out there, but so that's just been my motive this week. I'm still trying to catch up from this 4 a.m. giddy up that is my hell. And this is an unknown quote, so we don't know who the fuck said it, but I like it. Nothing makes a person more productive than the last minute. That is so true. That's what I did today. (laughs) That's how I'm going to have a photo finish on my dissertation. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Oh, man. Bye! Bye. Cool beans. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.